Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of One Mic Night, the podcast that brings you stories of artists and people on their journey, helping to guide, answer questions, and motivate you in life and the business. Today is One Mic Night Talk, and as you already know, we have a lot of things to talk about. If you haven't already subscribed, make sure you do click the bell because I'm dropping episodes a little more frequently. But also remember that we do the live chat every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So click in, join the conversation, do a little networking in the chat room and see what the episode is all about. So as I said, today is One Mic Night Talk and we have a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm here with my co-host, you already know him, licensed clinical psychotherapist, Shane Mark Toll. He's also the author of the book, The Mental Health Pandemic. How are you? Wow. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. It's been a it week. Is, it's been a week. It's Friday, June 30th, 2023, and our lives have been impacted in the last two days in, in a real way. In so many ways. So many ways. So today we're going to talk about a couple of things, um, something that happened in the last two days. Uh, on Thursday, the United States Supreme Court ruled that affirmative action programs at Harvard University and the University of North Carolina are unconstitutional, uh, finding in two majority opinions authored by Chief Justice John Roberts that race conscious policies, um, which are used in the admission offices to increase diversity on campuses and broaden access to educational opportunity violate the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. What do you say on that? What can you say about that? There, you know, I think it's important for us to be clear about what affirmative action is. And the issue of race is just one thing. Most Every applicant to the school has to meet the school criteria first. Absolutely. So everyone apply, they are eligible to be there. Race is just something they use as a as one added criteria to to level the playing field. We are we continue to be not be a part of this process. We're not in a level playing field and affirmative action helped us to get there. The removal of this is gonna be catastrophic for young black and brown folks trying to get to school. Absolutely. And I don't know, I think, and we wonder why there's a high rate of depression among black folks and around black men and black youth and this is just what this is an added burden upon us to that we have to surmount and overcome to be accepted into these spaces that we are academically ready for absolutely so it's, it's it's sinful and it's you know it's not only in the schools but it's also in the workplace and it's about, you know, achievement and helping black and brown people achieve, you know, a higher learning, a higher workplace, visibility, uh, d uh, diversity, inclusion to help us gain economic ground. I mean, for me, it's also considered part of reparations, if you want to put it like that. Mm -hmm. As you said, le uh, leveling the playing field. Um, I know for myself, there are several programs. I attended higher level uh, education and probably wouldn't have been seen 
if I hadn't been part of the affirmative action. Uh, it wasn't directly affirmative action, but in a filtered down way, it was. Yeah. I was seen, you know, through ABC, which is called A Better Chance, which gives black and brown people an extra, you know, helps with scholarships, you know, because economically I couldn't afford to go to bo boarding school with a single parent, which then helped me uh, achieve higher education at a top 10 university at Northwestern University. You know, so starting from a young, a young part of my life, those programs helped me to achieve, to get to where I am so that I am part of the diversity, higher education, learning, um, and in a place where people see me as possibly, you know, something that they could become. And I can definitely add to that, being, being an immigrant coming to this country, your main goal was education because we know for poor people, education is the only path to having a better life and bringing some level of prosperity and dignity, your, not just to yourself, but to your family. So coming here and being able to access those programs and schools reaching out to me and saying, hey, you're, what, you're who we're looking for. Absolutely. That's affirmative action. That is empowering. It's because where I am now, I would not, I don't think I'll be here if it was not for those programs. And it's, it would not, it's not because that we weren't smart enough, but it, because of those programs, they actively seek us out. Actively seek, that's it. You know, and it I increases, important. yes, it increases the pool of talent and, you know, students that they're looking for or in the workplace, the job hunt that they're mm -hmm. looking for because they're consciously including people you know, who wouldn't have been, been seen, who aren't even on the radar in consideration. They may not notice in their application to this place. That's you know, I, I applied to 12 universities and got into 11, you know, and had I not been at a boarding school and, you know, I had this, you know, uh, uh, information, I would never have thought to apply for these universities. Access. 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 Having access. There are a lot of young Black, there are a lot of young Black and brown folks that, they're not even thinking of going to college because they don't even think it's a possibility. A possibility, right. And we don't see, you know, we're slowly seeing people in these positions where we can, you know, not only dream about it, but also attain these positions, you know, and due to affirmative action. Now, affirmative action was what? Started in six, uh, in 64, so 50 plus years, that's been an effect, yeah. right? Yes, and even with that, you know, we don't have a large number of black and brown people in positions where, you know, yeah. we're represented. It's and, increased, and, I mean, but. It has increased, but it's still not there. And I think when you look at the, at the learning institution, I've been, um, I've teaching the higher education arena in, in academia. And to have a diverse student body, I have a diversity of students in your class that adds to the discussion, that adds to the discourse. It makes the, the educational experience even so much more better. All the research has shown that diversity, inclusion, and equity adds value to the American experience that we call this experiment. And I felt between yesterday and today, the experiment just went really bad for us. What, is, what kind of signal does this send to black and brown people and people of color 
you know, about the decision? We don't matter. Mm -hmm. So we have to, but it's also, I think this should also be a wake up call for us because we weren't really surprised. Right. We weren't really surprised, but what I really think we need to galvanize and support and hold higher education institutions accountable. Like the law may not be here, there anymore to make you do this, but from a moral point of view, it is imperative that you continue these programs and seek to get the best talent. And that adds to your college, that adds to the educational experience. If you're going to school with just one set of people all the time, where what's your worldview? Right. And and as you walk out into the world, that's not the makeup of the world. Right. Right. Correct. So we need those, we need those that diversity in, in our in our system, in the workplace Thanks. and in school. I have to wonder, uh, what do you think this says about our country in general? Do you feel like the country and the way the laws are are starting to, I'm going to say, roll back? Mm-hmm. But do you think it's, it's that we're heading? Back. Yeah. Where yes. do you think we're heading in this country? I don't know where we're heading, but I really think this is this inflection moral point for really, for decent people to stand up mm-hmm. and say, despite of what the courts say, we as American, we as human beings, we're a moral center. We will not adhere to that. We will even be more focused in securing diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we Absolutely. have to we have to make that a moral imperative and, and hold institutions of higher education to that and and businesses and corporate America, because this is a very slippery slope. This corporate Americans say, hey, the Supreme Court say America's colorblind. We don't have to go out and see these individuals. Right. As recognized, the college is freedom to decide how, how to build diverse student bodies and to meet the responsibility of opening doors of opportunity for every single American. <clears throat> In case after case, including recently, uh, just as a few years ago in 2016, the court has affirmed and reaffirmed this view that colleges could use race not as a determinative factor for admission, but as one of the factors among many in deciding who to admit from a, quali- from a qualified, already qualified pool of applicants. Today, the court once again walked away from decades of precedent and make, as the dissent has made clear. The dissent states in today's decision, quote, rolls back decades of precedent and momentous progress, end of quote. I agree with that statement from the dissent. From the, dissent. <clears throat> the court has effectively ended affirmative action in college admissions, and I strongly, strongly disagree with the court's decision. The Congressional Black Caucus said the Supreme Court has thrown into question its own legitimacy. Is this a rogue court? And I think they're now using a word, you know, that I heard, and and I think it's called. They're saying uh, it's race neutral. Race neutral is what they're saying for the admissions and yeah. policy, which to me is just code word for racism. It clearly racism. Clearly, race right. neutral and color and colorblind. America has never, and probably will never be colorblind. Right. It's one of those things where they're saying, well, you know, you want uh, you want everything equal. So, you know, we're going to be race neutral. 
but that's in this case for sure this is not what it should be clearly you know as we've talked about in many of our episodes you know there's been economic uh adversity oppression uh-huh. systemic oppression all these other things right and so we're looking for a place where we're still included and as you said actively sought out to level the playing field but this is a call to action as well i feel i don't think we should feel defeated i think we should be empowered and say okay we're we just have to up our game and continue to make this a visible important issue i think and i believe that affirmative action and the abortion issue are going to be those wedge issues that's going to be very important as we vote next year. And also, we need to continue to cry that vote, voting matters. We voting absolutely to, matters. We need absolutely. To tell our black brothers and sisters that your vote is your superpower. It really it, is. It is. And you have to care. As much as you, you say, I don't care, you really have to care because now it's affecting us in so many different ways. You know, whether you are, you know, black, brown, uh, LGBT, whether it's your abortion rights, you know, entering women's bodies, you know, and the government say having a say so it's starting to affect us, you know, like in, in very little ways. But we're now maybe two categories instead of one, you know, maybe you're whatever LGBT and you have a child. Correct. Which is a possibility. You know what I'm saying? So it affects you in so many different ways. Or you or you love someone and knows that knows someone that's LGBTQ and you have to witness their and their anguish as they try to navigate this space we call life in America. So we really need to be shouting it from the top of the roof. Election has consequences, and there's this is a perfect example of that because the last president got to appoint three judges, Supreme Court judges. That's a consequence of those who did not vote. Absolutely is. Absolutely. And those are lifetime appointments, and we're stuck with that conservative uh, Supreme Court Uh forever. Yeah. It's a generational shift, change. It's going to take another generation to change this. And in the meantime, what do we do? And I know we're always, oh, we're tired fighting, but the the fight continues. The fight has to to continue. It has to. We have to hold ourselves up and and engage our allies and, and our brothers and sisters and let them know that if you don't want to vote for yourself, vote because you care for you care about me. How about absolutely. that? Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's crazy. It don't matter. It, things are not going to change. Vote because it matters to someone you love. Absolutely. And I think and, it's important yeah. exactly what you said. It's not only us, but it's our allies that we are calling to action as well. We right. need the support. It's time for everybody to galvanize yes. for issues. It's so not too late. It's not too late. And right. hopefully we can do this. Hopefully we can do it. I mean, with the advent of then yesterday was affirmative action. Today's student loans. Right. 
student loans. There you go. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Which investors? <laughs> I need a break of my student loans. Okay. W once again, most of the, we're the most people that are impacted by that. The research has shown the most educated people in this country are black women. Yes, yes. Who has insurmountable debt with in student loans. If it was not for affirmative action, they would not be there. Right. So and now give us some help. Give us some help. What What would this country, what, say for instance, if the forgiveness came through, where would that put us as a country? Because you have, I think he proposed up to $10,000, you know, in forgiveness. So if you got $10,000 wiped off and say you only had maybe $5,000 more, that would put people in a position where once they finish paying those, they could start adding more to our economy and be more financially stable, which means that they could purchase more, they could buy more, they could, you know, and it's a cycle. It increases. Once again, leveling the playing field because we have been disproportionately disadvantaged having access and equity. And even though we go to school, we get higher degrees of education, we have to take out more loans to survive if we can get them. And if if, if you're watching if you're watching this on the on the live chat, I want you guys to write down in the chat box what do you think you know this this would have done for the United States with the forgiveness? I think it would increase you know generational wealth, which is what we mm -hmm. as people don't have. You know, Correct. we're just starting to get to that point. You know, you have a few rappers, you have a few people in those industries who've you know recently acquired a lot of money, and now they're you know, hopefully passing that information on to us, but it's, it's tough to get to that point for us. You know, yeah. we didn't, we, I know I personally didn't grow up learning that stuff. My, you know, I didn't have a father that sat down with me at the breakfast table, reading the wall street journal and telling me, you know, all the things, the stocks to buy and what it meant. And, you know, right. I had parents who were trying to get by, they were trying to make my Literally. life better by, yeah. you know, uh, uh, working hard or my grandmother who worked three jobs you know, and, you know, my mother putting herself through school and things like that. So. Like, you know, my mom came here at the age of 50 and started to work mm -hmm. at 50 years old. Okay. Right. So yeah. this, but that's our American dream. And, you know, I think, you know, coming up on the 4th of July and independence and all that stuff, this is a call for how do we crystallize our American dream and how do we encourage those in power not to be afraid of us, but to see us as bringing context and culture and everything that comes with us to this experience we call America, which can only make it better. Mm -hmm. I do think it was interesting that in the, in the affirmative action case, it said it did not affect the joint forces. But, hmm. it, but, but it didn't impact college admission. So we're good enough to go fight war and die. Right. And we're not good enough to get access, have access to education. I, I And I think that point, a lot of people miss that. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I think that was very telling. Interesting. I missed that. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that to light. That's yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. so, Interesting. We know where we know where their thoughts are. Right. 
I would have to say too that we have a president right now who is very conscious of all of these things that we're talking about. Obviously, he's the one pushing. He's the one pushing, but he's also the one getting resistance. He's getting a lot well, done, and you know we know Obama tried the same thing, and it was met with worse force. Oh. But uh, you know now Joe Biden is trying to do a lot of things, and I don't I don't want to say like for us people, but for people in general, for the middle class, you know, yes. to level a playing field for lower income, middle class income people, so everybody can get a, a little piece of the pie, or at least have mm -hmm. an opportunity, you know, as we didn't have before. And it let's be clear: it's the advocacy and the power of black women that got him there. Absolutely. See, if we, if we, if we want to hold his foot to the fire and say, we got you here. These are the things we need to make it, to make our lives important. And there is nothing wrong with that. There is no shame in that. I think we have to stop feeling apologetic for asserting our rights. Right. Absolutely. We do. We, we voted, <clears throat> we advocated, we got you there. Now, these are the things that we need. And that's just the game of politics. That's just the way it is. I can't tell somebody not to advocate for themselves or tell a whole class of people, oh, well, you shouldn't be advocating because America is now ready. America has never been ready for all the progress that is that has happened. People force it. Right, yeah. And we're, and we're better off because of that. Right. I think it's interesting to me. I think the whole thing is built around fear, as we kind of mentioned before, because... Mm -hmm. You know, in the last few years since the George Floyd incident, there's been a resurgence of people of color, you know, fighting for their rights and making uh -huh. their rights known in so many different ways. So the fear for the majority of this country and seeing the rapid change, although to us it's been kind of slow, but even just the conversation of change in this country to make America great again, you know, the fear has been instilled in these people. And, uh, you know, now everybody's sort of reconsidering uh, what their beliefs are, yeah. you know? And so the real uh, fear and, and, and hatred and racism is surfacing. You know, we have people down in the state of Florida, Governor DeSantis, who is trying to take away everything, you know, and uh, yeah. Disney, you know, so many... I mean, how are you going to pick a fight with Mickey Mouse? Right, exactly. That just shows how crazy. Right, and, and it all boils down to fear. Fighting. It's fear. Yeah, it is. It's it the really fear. Mm -hmm. You know, I I remember in Obama's final speech when when he was leaving the presidency in Chicago, he said, "Our democracy is like a rubber band; it stretches and contracts." And and this is such a clear example. Yeah, because absolutely. when he was there, we had so much hope of America moving forward. Right. And the backlash of that was the person that came after him and put in that in these systems, appointing three judges in one term is unbelievable. The power that you unprecedented. Mm -hmm. Unprecedented. And it's just that's why we are where we are. So right. we're contracting again. So we need to push the, the baton forward and push the movement forward that we're, we're able to stretch and include everyone. It is imperative. It's our moral imperative that everyone is 
I, my school of thought is that there's enough in this world for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. It really is. It is. Do you think it's, it's our capitalist society that's created such a um, hatred and uh, sort of crabs in the barrel and, you know, a whole bunch of things like that? What's the... I'm a big proponent of capitalism. I want everybody to be rich and have, mm -hmm. have access. But I don't think it's capitalism. I think it's this nationalist movement enigma that's just been probably dormant, but because of who the last dude in the White House was and is, he gave them a, a welcome, he gave them the red carpet. And they have jumped in that and they continue to reuse fear that, oh, we're, we're taking over and we're this. We don't have a, lot, a whole lot of power to do this. Right. We don't have enough equity and inclusion to do it. But when we, when you look at middle white America and you, you tap into their fears, like, oh, these people are going to come and take over and you're not going to have citizenship anymore and you're not going to have this and blah, blah. They're going to take your jobs oh, and yeah. yes, yeah. It's just ignorance, and unfortunately, they they seem not to know better, and they've picked this up and run with it. I always what amazes me is not the the stupidity of the last guy in the White House that scared me. It is all the people that jump onto this bandwagon and continues to push this agenda of hatred right. and feel it's okay. That's what really scares me. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a psychology that goes back to even just the beginning. And I hate to say this, I'm going to say it again, but even people owning slaves and for the slave owners saying it was in the name of Christianity that you could do that, that it was okay yeah. to own a person, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. And the whole reason why we celebrate Juneteenth, because they were part of the people. And if you guys listen to my Juneteenth episode, I give you the whole history of that. You know, there were some of the people who didn't even know they were free yeah. for a few yeah. days for several reasons. One mm -hmm. of which being they didn't want them to know. Withholding right. the truth. Their fear. Once you know, again, once fear again. Lack, lacking, lacking access. Right. Because if you, you don't know what you don't know. So right. you don't know, you, you cannot activate those resources within you to empower you to do better because you don't know that this exists. So like there are a lot of young kids that don't know that they can go to college basically free, as poor as they are. Like I tell kids, the poorer you are, the more money you get to go to college. Right. There are just resources out there and we have to push that very early because there are kids coming out of high school that have no idea about what college, what the college experience for them could be. Because they figure, you know, I'm poor, my parents are poor, I don't have money for college. Yes, there's a lot of money there for college. There's a lot. Yeah. There are ways to do it. Yeah. Yes, a lot of they ways. are. Mm -hmm. A lot of ways. Yeah. Well, I guess the final question is, what do you think we have? Do you think we've lost hope? Do you think, uh, where are we with it all? No, I am, I'm going, I'm going to always be optimistic. I see these challenges as a wake up call for us, that we cannot take our eyes off the ball. 
I think a lot of us relaxed after Barack Obama became president and we think, oh, we don't have to worry anymore. We elected a black man. America's color blind or color neutral, race neutral. That is not true. If, not true. if you coexisted in this skin that you and I have, we know that was not true before he got there, while he's, he was there, and definitely not after he left. So right. we really have to keep our eyes on the prize that democracy is something if you're not fiercely fighting to secure it, you will lose it. Absolutely. And one more thing I can say to that is to know your history and share your history with each other. You know, the whole of America may not want to hear it, but we have to know our history and we have to know from whence we came. And we have to continue to have that vision that order is the way, is the way to go. That's we, right. We can't just stop where we are. We, we need to continue the journey and expand in what this experience we call America looks like. It's not always been good. It has not been good for people like you and I. But in spite of that, we are here. We belong. We belong. We belong. Right. And my people came from slaves. And if they can make it across the ocean and still be alive, we can we can definitely fight this fight. And we are calling, as we said earlier, we're calling all the allies to jump in and help us. The fight is not over. Yep. Shane Mark Tull, I want to thank you for joining me for another episode of One Mike Night Talk. Everybody, make sure you pick up the book, The Mental Health Pandemic, licensed clinical therapist and consultant. Shane Mark Toll, thank you for coming on One Mike Night Talk. Thank you, my friend. Yes. Everybody, make sure you subscribe. The episodes will keep coming. Thank you all for listening. I want to give a shout out to the UK. Thank you for listening. Brazil, thank you, thank you, thank you. And everybody who's been along on this journey, this is One Mike Night Talk. Find us at One Mike Night, O-N-E-M-I-C-N-I-T-E. -E. You can DM me at Marcos Luis, M-A-R-C-O-S-L-U-I-S. Can't spell my own name. How can we get in touch with you? Just remind everybody. Oh, Shane Martell. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And I think my son is doing TikTok at some point. So I'll, <laughs> I'll have that. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's always good to hang out with you, my friend. Likewise. Be well. Thank be you. Be gentle to yourself. Absolutely. In the words of Shane Martell, be gentle to yourself. We'll see you next time on One Mike Night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.